my brain is mush. <laughs> oh my God, it's fine. I do have um, our question of the week this week. Okay, what is it? So what is your favorite TV or movie musical? So it could either be like an original thing that was made for TV or for a movie or an ad- adaptation. And obviously you can pick like more than one. Yeah. I have a feeling I know what yours would be, but that could change. Probably the most memorable uh, live theater experience I've had was The Lion King, which I saw on tour as a child. I mean, I was like, I think 12 or 13 or 14 or something like that, but Mm -hmm. Yeah, that musical. I mean, it's what I tell everybody. I'm like, it's worth the money. Like, but is that your favorite like move like adaptation like to screen? So I'm saying not like the theater performance, like the because this because the episode. Yes, an adaptation. What's your favorite musical? It could be. No, I know, I know, I know. Uh, I realized I worded the question weird. Do you want to ask it again? No, no, that's okay. Um, Of the show we're covering today, right? Yeah, is, it used to be a musical, sort of. Uh, I have a feeling I know what you would say, what your gut well, reaction Mama is. Mamma Mia is great, obviously. Mm-hmm. Hard to beat Meryl. Hard, <laughs> hard to beat Meryl. And we've seen it. It was a really fun show to see. It I saw was. it with you, right? And it, it like, mm-hmm. turns into a concert. Yeah, <laughs> like, like everybody was standing at the end. So fun. Pickle, yeah. stop! God, she keeps just, like, picking up and dropping this ball. Pick something that's less loud. And also, like, everybody loves Chicago, right? No, pickles. That's what I thought you were going to say, is Chicago. I think when we were little, we watched that movie, like, a hundred times at my house. Well, it's just so good. It's so good. And and it's better. Yeah, it is better. Do not waste your money on the live. And I hate to say it, but just, it. the movie outdid itself. It's so good. So that the live musical is just, it is like, you've owned, like seeing a Broadway production and then a local high school production of a show. Like that is the difference. Like, it's just nowhere near the level. And it, it's even like performances aside, like it has nothing to do with the performances of the actors. It's just, you can't get like within three inches of the dancer's tap shoe like you can with the movie. Like it's yeah. just so crisp. And the way they cut that show together is just like, flawless it's just I will also say so in the episode we're covering today one of the characters made the point like musicals like do the heavy lifting for like plot holes basically like they'll just be a song and that's how we scoot things along but I agree I think Chicago actually really benefited from having more plot Mm -hmm. like it was a better movie because like the story itself is like very fascinating versus I don't know like I recently watched Bye Bye Birdie which like I love so much but the movie I was like oh yeah if this was on stage it would just be like like I had forgotten the plot of the musical. I just knew the songs. Right. So Hairspray is another good adaptation. I don't mm-hmm. think I've ever seen that live, but there are scenes like people always talk about that. I love Hairspray. Good Morning Baltimore, which was is not in the musical. It was cut from the musical. Like it was written for the musical, but cut and never made it to Broadway. But they put it back in with the movie. And you got to have that like fun, like, cause it was like a transition, right? Like she catches the mm-hmm. trash truck or the bus or whatever, like on her way to school. And it's just like her and the town interacting in a way that would be like really hard mm-hmm. on, on a stage. Plus the mm-hmm. sets in that show are just like 
Chef's kiss, so great. And Zach, isn't Zach Efron? Zach Efron, yeah. And Brittany Snow. Oh it God. also, I think this one in particular came out yeah. at like such an age for it to be like a movie we loved, right? Like we had to have been like 15 or 16. So it was like height of Zach Efron, height of Amanda Bynes, height of Brittany yeah. Snow for like us. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a good one. My favorite adaptation is probably, my favorite TV show musical is Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Phenomenal. Everyone mm. should watch it. It's so fucking mm. good. And then for musical like to movie, it's a tie between the last five years, which I've never seen on stage, but would like to, but the movie I really enjoyed. And then Rent, which is like one of my favorite movies of all time. Ew. I love Rent. Ugh. I watch it like once every three months. Like I watched it like such a. I watched it one time and was like never again. <laughs> I can't like it even has. I got through the one. I listen to the soundtrack on like every solo road trip and can like do the entire. I can do everyone's voice. I can do everyone's part. Like that is the, the musical I know the most. But I do love the soundtrack. The last five years is just a. I think it's a really interesting story, and there's like no talking in it. Like it truly is like a musical. Like they didn't add anything. Mm-hmm. for like the sake of clarity because like there's I spent dialogue? there's like no dialogue wild like very minimal dialogue I would say like it's like an hour and 25 minutes <laughs> all right that's keeping it keeping it and there's two characters there's like nobody else oh so but I listen to that soundtrack too it has one of the meanest um in my opinion meanest interactions which the husband says I will not lose because you can't win to his struggling Broadway actress wife. Whoa. It was really, it was, it was really, it, it cuts me every time I hear it. Talking about their favorite themes on silver screen, they'll try to stay on beam. Who said that this podcast was spoiler free? It's time for Single Best Scene. Hi. Hi. I'm Sophie. And I'm Maddie. And welcome to Single Best Scene. This week's episode is Schmigadoon. That's um, right. This is the description that I found online, which doesn't give really much away. Mm. On a backpacking trip designed to reinvigorate their relationship, a couple discovers a magical town living in a 1940s musical. They then learn that they can't leave until they find true love. Ba-ba-da-da. That's right. Schmigadoon. What a show that like hit us like a tsunami. Didn't know about it one day, heard about it, became obsessed immediately. <laughs> um, so, so what was your relationship to the show? You know, I'd seen it on my Apple Plus um, and just wasn't sure what it was. And um, obviously I saw that Cecily and Keen Michael Peel were on it and I was like, well, they're funny, but like I have been burned by show weird quirky shows (laughs) with snl cast members in the past so i had pretty low expectations and like didn't like i didn't you know whatever i just saw it and then you were like oh like yeah you've got to watch it and i was like twist my arm well because i have a problem now where like a lot of the shows i watch aren't in english so i can't like multitask when i do when i watch have them on it's why i've watched now eight seasons of law and order svu because (laughs) 
it can be on while I'm like working or cooking or whatever. Whereas like elite or call my agent or whatever, like I have to be watched, like sitting there reading the subtitles. So this was in English. And so I was like, great, like I'll give it a try. So how yeah. did you find so I was listening to an episode of Las Culturistas, another podcast, and Cecily was on it. And like the way she was describing it sounded really funny. And the two hosts had seen the first two episodes and the way they were describing it, I was like, okay, this seems like kind of interesting, but like, I don't know, like maybe it could be shit. And um, so I texted my friend Meg and she was like, yeah, I'm already watching it. Like, it's wonderful. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> tell me, like, tell me when shows are good. How did and we then, miss yeah. out? <laughs> I was looking today to see when I started watching it and I have a text that I sent to you that said, please tell me you're watching Schmigadoon. And you said, what? And I sent you the trailer uh -huh. and then you just sent back, oh my God, what? And then you were obsessed too. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, like, it is so like if with like zero context, it's really out there. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. The way I described fantasy. it to you was there's a group run by Kristen Chenoweth called Mothers Against the Future. Cecily and yes. Keegan are a couple who accidentally end up in a town that's actually a 1940s musical. <laughs> right. So when you said, oh my God, what? I was like, she either hates it or loves it. You never know. Right. Um, yeah. No context with text. Love it. Loved it so much. What did you think of the pilot? Um, or did you have uh, a point? Do you remember what you were going to say before we started no. that you wanted to jump into? Sorry. Mm. I can't remember. Um, pilot, 10 out of 10. I mean, I was like, fuck yeah, like, let's go. Like, you know, I was ready for, for the next episode. I watched, I think I watched when there was three episodes out. Um, mm -hmm. And so I watched the first three. And I was sad that I didn't have <laughs> 15 more to watch. But I still am. <laughs> I completely agree. I gave it a 10 out of 10. Um, just loved every part of it. It's better on rewatch. You and I have talked about that. I think we've each rewatched the series, like not even for the purpose of the podcast, just for our purpose, like our internal purpose of wanting more. Like that's my only critique of the entire show is that six episodes was not enough. Like that's it. No. And actually I, okay. So I listened to a podcast um, on the subway while I was running errands this afternoon from these two random girls that interviewed the creator. And when I tell you that they're two random fucking girls, please understand their, they, their podcast. Should we have tried? Looked as <laughs> like on the level of this one. <laughs> Like we definitely should have reached out. He totally <laughs> have said yes because these two fucking girls, they spent a lot of time giggling and like cutting him off. And I was like, please let the professional speak, ladies. But um, he said that they actually wrote eight, like it was supposed to be eight episodes. Mm -hmm. And um Apple was like actually lol just cutting you guys only get six so they had to go in and like cut a bunch of shit and like rewrite yeah and stuff and apparently there was like I don't know how much Cecily also said in the interview but like I now feel robbed personally um from a lot of things that he mentioned um hold Danny Bailey Danny Bailey like stealing stealing money from Josh to get yeah. Melissa back like I kind of believe we didn't get that. Like wanted to see more Danny Bailey. I'm insulted. 
Um, yeah, and also apparently there's going to be like an entire episode where Melissa was in a convent. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I like, am there's so- no way that wouldn't have just been funny the whole time. I'm assuming it had something to do with COVID, like as something, but they gave Ted Lasso more yeah. episodes this season. I'm sure it was which, money. Yeah. Which like, I'm fine with. It's all about money. Right? Obviously I love Ted, but like, yeah, I could have used like at least 10 episodes of Schmigadoon. Oh, at least. Well, it's also so frustrating is like, they're like, well, maybe there'll be a season two, but like, what the fuck would season two even be? Like, I just wanted more of this season personally. Yeah. Yeah, I did too. Like, I'll I watch the season two, but I really, what I really want, if if the if the two choices in front of me are, would you like twelve episodes of season one or a season one and a season two? I say twelve episodes of season one because they had the plot there, which seems so like amber and liquid time, or like you know, like spider and amber. Like how like how are they going to repeat this? Like the yeah. mystery of them trying to figure out how to get out is so good. And it seems, seems like such a one-shot type of situation. Well, they did deliberately not show them getting out. I mean, obviously they did. Right. Obviously they did. But if well, for- If they don't get out, it completely dismantles the entire first season. I know. I know. I'm just saying like, it no, helps I know. that I this group- that. I know. Yeah, that's the thing. I've been thinking for like, what, the past like five days, how the fuck, what would season two even be? And I listened to another podcast. It's the only podcast that is episode by episode of Schmigadoon, or at least like it came up on the top um, when I searched on on iTunes for Schmigadoon. Um, let me. I mean, I guess like maybe it could be like they take okay. people to Schmigadoon. So it's called Schmigadoonery, <laughs> and they do episode by episode. And then the one where these two random bitches interview the i shouldn't say that these two no. men, <laughs> these two ladies named katie and jill exclamation point um, i guess they didn't see that um snl skit about jet <laughs> <laughs> oh jeb what a special bush he is <laughs> Deborah. um no 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 jeb bush no i know remember that one where they had on who played Trump? I think probably Alec Baldwin, and they kept calling him Jebra, oh Jebra God, Bush. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, so Anytime funny. I see him, I just think of Jebra. Um, Not a real name. That one is called Thought Shared, Souls Bared, and it's pretty, the first 30 minutes are really interesting. If you want to hear the creator interviewed, this was the first episode I could find where they, it was just an interview of him. Um, once it hits 30 minutes, they start talking about like musical theater stuff that has nothing to do with the show and so I kind of I literally stopped listening to it um maybe it's really only the first like 20 minutes but um then yeah schmigadoonery is these two people doing an episode by episode sort of except they do episodes one and two together but the episodes are more than twice as long as the the episodes of the podcast are more than twice as long as the episodes of the show which you know we've come close to being <laughs> park but um, our normal people episode really shouldn't throw stones in glass houses if you know what i'm like the raw audio of normal people is literally half of the series disgusting it's embarrassing so you have just six and a half hours of us talking about normal people on your computer so (laughs) though these two people and i don't know what kind of like inside information they have or like what the deal is or this is just like the kind of thing that they look for but 
they spend 50% of their energy on these episodes from what I could tell trying to dissect the meta narrative in Schmigadoon like they just keep bringing up they'll be like okay well on like about the you know well we don't know if they really crossed the bridge like and the, or like the fact like they'll they at spent will spend like chunks of the episode being like okay well the teacher says when she makes that comment in uh I think the finale or the fifth episode about like handyman season and they're like is this like is this basically just a simulation and do people just regularly come into this town as a couple get their relationship shit shorted out and then leave like over and over and over again and in like a groundhog day situation for the people who live there or like what is going on like they just keep bringing it up and it was like kind of annoying to me because I was like I don't really care what the meta narrative is of this now like that is not what I'm trying to figure I mean like every once in a while like you would you know I would be like well like when Jane Krakowski shows up I was like where did she come come from? from yeah but I think that's like how musicals work like they'll just like have a random character pop out on stage and you're like okay like right. you're here now I, I, I do think that like that was like a scheduling thing though he said they wanted Jane yeah. for more episodes but because of yeah. COVID and everything they could only do just the only one for one yeah I, I heard him I thought if the show was going to do anything like sort of meta-ish so I also read and you probably heard it in the interview was that he was going to make Danny Bailey the father of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the baby but like didn't want to make him like a villain as the show was ending because mm-hmm. um, everybody loves Emma and I can't think of what his name, his name is Carson. Um, but I definitely thought that someone might say like, cause you know how at the very beginning, when the very, very beginning of the show, when the couple's hike leader are like, don't get lost out there and die. And then they're like, no, really like people have died. I thought maybe someone in the town was going to have been like on the hike years before. Do you know what I mean? Like when they say that people went missing that someone was going to be like fuck we've been stuck in this town but that never happened so I didn't actually think about right. it too much <laughs> that is something else that they brought up though is that oh, yeah. it's like once upon a time where everyone in the town has forgotten who they were before because they've been in the town for so long um like that was another theory that they threw out there like and an another that could be an interesting is, season two though I mean yeah in the in the finale when Christian Chenoweth Actually, no, no, no. In um, episode five, when in Tribulations, when <laughs> Kristen is doing her like insane song and says, we only, she has a line where it's like, we, I'm fine with strangers as long as they look and act like us and has her arms around these two women. And so they were like, the podcast theorists were like, is this, is that a, like <clears throat> supposed to be like inferring that these two people also came from the outside and stayed I don't know I didn't care but that was yeah another theory that was floated my favorite yeah I love and I do this all the time when I'm like I don't care about this but I do want to talk about it like I don't actually care about what they say but now I want to take their opinion and be like well (laughs) but let's talk about why they're wrong and also still address the (laughs) like we're making our listeners listen to it um I don't know. I hadn't really thought about it. When I listened to that first Lost Culturistas episode, uh, Matt Rogers, who didn't work, Bowen Yang from SNL was like an executive, like a, he was like a 
Yeah, he was a writer. Right. He was a writer on it. Yeah. So Matt was like, as someone who didn't work on the show and is not currently on the show, my <laughs> prediction for the finale is, and that's only after watching the first two episodes, right. is that Kristen Chenoweth escapes and comes to like present present day. Whoa. And then the story would follow like people leaving Schmigadoon into the real world. So I, it'd be like them in like a 2021 it, or 20, whatever. It would be less fun for everybody. And also it's a little bit like that, like finding Amish show or like whatever the fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking it gave me very strong, like Ella Enchanted vibes. Yeah. Like I don't, I'm not interested in that. Honestly. No, I mean, I, I'm not, look, this is what I'll say. I'm not a TV writer, obviously, and have like shit ideas. So every time I think like, I don't want a season two of something, the season two will be amazing or like whatever. So I mean, Fleabag. Fleabag. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So the Fleabag theory proves to me that showrunners know what they're doing. And so, and I trust this showrunner in particular that he wouldn't do something bad. And so if he has a reason, like I kind of think of him in like a Phoebe Waller-Bridge way where it's like, if there's a season two, it's because it's planned, not because Apple's paying for it. Right. Because it's, you know, like if they get renewed, it'll be because they pitched, not because the they just got renewed. Right. So that gives me some hope. I will say, kind of going back to the pilot, as we move into best bits and joke, and I didn't write this down, so I'm really hoping that you did and or remember the scene, but it was um, one of my favorite moments of the pilot and probably my turning point scene, as if we're skipping ahead quite a bit, um, the interaction that Josh and Melissa had. I will say when they were saying that it was Keegan-Michael Key and Cecily Strong, I was like, how the fuck did these two people get cast? Like, what a random pairing. Like, I know he hosted SNL this season and Lauren Michaels was an executive producer on it. So like, I was like, they must, I didn't watch his episode. I was just like, how did they cast them together? Mm -hmm. And then like, I wasn't immediately sold on their chemistry until they fought whatever they were like, do you see that bridge? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When the bells are ringing and she's like, do you hear those? I just rewatched that. It was like, do you hear church bells? Oh, you hear them too? Oh, do you normally hear church bells that other people don't? It's like, no. Oh, and there's a bridge. Oh, you see it too. Oh, so we're still doing that. That's when I was immediately sold on their chemistry because I think it's really easy scripted wise to like act like you're in love with someone. But I think fighting with like humor is such an understated yeah. Um, I also think like TV shows don't do it very often, right? Fighting is for conflict, not like teasing. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's like the, well, cause it's the dryness of <laughs> like real life. Right. Yeah. Like, it was also like, I can see them that now. to your partner in real life. Like you'd mm-hmm. be like, okay, fuck off. Like, I know. And now but you're not mad. It's not a fight. It doesn't no. hurt the whole thing. It's like, it's like teasing where you're the butt of the joke kind of. Um, and I will say like, obviously throughout season one, which was only six short episodes, um, they showed the kind of like real world, them being in conflict. But then when I was like, like getting ready for the episode and I was thinking back to it, I was like, Oh wait, that was actually like funny. Like they were fighting, but I did like, like when she was like, you made at the wedding, and they were like, okay, all of the boyfriends and girlfriends, like come up on stage and dance with your whatever. And he didn't go. And they were like in the car on the way home. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I really hate that you left me. And he was like, yeah, I just like really hate public dancing. And she's like, yeah, I really hated being alone. Yeah. And it wasn't like they were breaking up, but I liked all of their like 
bickering did feel really real world. Like actually, like I would do that. Totally. I agree. It wasn't like over the top, but it still somehow was funny. Maybe they're just good actors. Yeah. They had good chemistry. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure we both have quite a lot of bits and jokes and quotes and all that stuff. So do you want to bop? How do you want to? Um, before we do that, actually, do you want to, um, I feel like at this point we're pretty far into the episode. So anybody who hasn't watched Magoon has probably bailed already, but (laughs) I just thought it was maybe worth mentioning all of the millions of famous people that are in this. Oh yeah. Um, Read who all's in it. Yeah. I'll just like do a quick read through. So we've got Cecily Strong, who is a lead, you know, her from SNL, um, Keegan, Michael Key of Keenan Peele. And a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> then we've got Aaron Tave, who to me is only always and forever Trip Vanderbilt from Gossip Girl, <laughs> i.e., the congressman that hooks up with Serena and then leaves her in his Range Rover that's crashed on the side of the road. He has one of my um, favorite shows, sh- favorite quotes from that whole show where they call it the Serena situation. Oh my God. They're like, you know, because of the Serena situation. I'm like, you mean when she was 17, you're having sex with her cheating on your wife and left her in a storm oh on the side of the road? Like, sure, yeah, the Serena situation is why you that, can't be mayor. That's the situation. Um, but yeah, he was also in Lame Is and a bunch of other stuff. He's like pretty famous. A big Broadway boy. Um, Dove Cameron plays Betsy, the daughter, oldest daughter. Um, she's like a Disney girl. So yeah, she was in Descendants. Yeah. Um, she also randomly dated the new Max Wolf, Max Wolf from the new Gossip Girl. She dated him for a long time. Oh, interesting. He's, I can't um, imagine, but. Then Ariana Du Bois is, uh, plays Emma Tate, the school mom. Um, she was in So You Think You Can Dance, Hamilton, West Side Story, The Prom, and is like a stage actress girl um jamie camille plays doc lopez who your mom has a big crush on right i'm sure everyone's mom does i, I, I think his name's jaime I, I don't know what it is but i uh, love him he's probably jaime i think it's jaime yeah because he's a uh, mexican yeah you're right yes. it is jaime he was in my favorite show one of my favorite shows jane the virgin which yes. i saw tiktok the other day that said it is one of the few shows ever made that has like zero bad episodes wow which i stand by it's a good show but I don't know if he's in other stuff, but he's so hot. He's, he's looks hotter. Mexican stuff. Yeah, he looks hotter in this than anything I've ever seen him in. I mean, he's so hot. So hot in this episode. Like, yeah. so hot in the show that I was like, holy shit. They can really work a three-piece suit. Yes. This is um, his era for sure. I know. And then we've got The Countess, played by Jane Krakowski, aforementioned. Um, you probably know her from 30 Rock or... She was the only part of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt that I liked, (laughs) Um, but she's been in a million bazillion things, has several Tonys, I think, or in awards, Tony Award. I think she has Emmy Awards too. more. And more. So she's got (laughs) more. I'm not going to click on it because I can probably do this all day. Um, Anna Harada is a musical she plays Florence the mayor's wife um she is best known because she was in the original production of Avenue Q which is a musical that is very well known and she was also apparently in Sex and the City (laughs) recurring um 
And yes, fun fact, she's Hawaiian. Um, Kristen Chenoweth, of course. <laughs> Kristen um, Chenoweth no of Kristen Chenoweth. Kristen <laughs> Chenoweth, you might know her because she's Kristen, Kristen Chenoweth. Chenoweth. Um, so fun fact, she is from Oklahoma. <laughs> if anyone mm-hmm. knew that, she is from Broken Arrow. Um, and she's 4'11". So that explains why they gave her the world's largest hair and a hat to wear on this entire um this entire show if you don't know her from being her she's very famous for wicked yeah <laughs> amongst a million other things but um then we've got alan Cumming. She- she was on Watch What Happens Live this week and Andy Cohen was like, oh, I'm going to see Wicked like soon because I think it's one of the first productions to open back up. Uh-huh. And she got so excited and he was like, you're not in it. Like, <laughs> he's like, you don't do it anymore. And she was like, oh, I just love it. She was so drunk on it. It was so fun. She was <laughs> just, like amazing. chugging espresso martinis and like, oh she was funny in it. That's, she seems fun. Um, she does seem like a good time. At the end of her absolutely insane song and <laughs> tribulations, She's holding a broom and I agree with the conspiracy theorist podcasters where I think that was 100% just a wicked reference. There was Mm -hmm. no reason. She did not need to be holding a broom. Unless it's a reference that she's like a witch, but I think it's more, that was inside baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But whatever. Um, Then of course, Alan Cumming as Nair Menlove, Alan Cumming of Alan Cumming. Yeah, Uh, yeah, he's got Tony's he's got a bunch of stuff he was the good, in wife. The good wife we saw yeah. him on the street in New York and I tried to stop him and say hello and my sister screamed at me and said in New York we don't talk go up to uh famous people and that was the fight we got in on that trip is he the one that walked by us when we were waiting for Tuesday supper or Tuesday Thursday kitchen Thir- Thursday kitchen there we go yes and I was so excited and it was like, with oh, his um husband Car- and their dog mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. yeah so um, thanks Annabelle yeah okay so I guess we did see him in real life that's fun um then we've got Fred Armisen who plays the reverend who's married to Kristen Chenoweth Fred Armisen of SNL etc Martin Short has a cameo he plays the leprechaun <laughs> out of context of the bride. Such- like if you don't know who he is i mean whatever he's a no then, out of context um, that's just such a weird thing like martin shorty played the well he played the leprechaun you know the <laughs> leprechaun um so carrie is carrie one of the sisters i don't she know she's red hair she must be one of the sisters i she's so young that like i don't know what else she uh, one of betsy's five sisters yeah, I think she's one of the five sisters, but she was in Riverdale, and I'm pretty sure that she plays young um, Madeline. Young Cheryl Blossom. Sorry, yeah, Madeline's yeah. her real name. Young Cheryl Blossom. Like, she has that look. Um, and then everyone else, I mean, everyone in this whole thing is famous, but I... Oh, several of these characters have been in Riverdale, actually. She has, and so has Freddie, the baby daddy of the, like, illegitimate child. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Oh, he Riverdale. was the, he was the, he was the, Alan, uh, the boxing Jonathan. guy. Yeah. He plays Match Jonathan. dog or something? Uh, he plays Jonathan. It's been a minute since I saw. Oh, never mind. Um, oh, Jonathan was the prep school kid. 
Yes. Oh in that God. little murder triage thing, I think. Say, he doesn't seem like a boxer. Um, Kevin McNeely plays the farmer. You mean everyone in here is famous. The, the lead dance girl who, if she's the one who is in the uh, dream ballet, like she's the one who comes forward in the dream ballet, but she's also like literally in the front of every formation. Her... Um, credit list is wild she was a rocket like mm-hmm. to start with and was in like I'm pretty sure she was in so you think you can dance she's in a million I think she was in she if she wasn't in in the heights then like of several of the other dancers were like all the dancers are super highly um like their resumes are insane as well a lot of them were in so you think you can dance or in the heights they've all been in like all these huge huge productions um like they're real like Broadway dance girls which of course and boys but like of course it's like so obvious the dancing is so amazing but um, I was gonna say I did have to like hunt them down because they were not they're not listed of course because they're ensemble so like they're not listed in like just the cast grouping but I think another kind of small argument for why this show is like like magic in a bottle or whatever that phrase is um is because of covid so there were no broadway shows so they really got the best of the best because it wasn't like they were working around another schedule right everyone was available (laughs) so like and also the best wanted to audition and get work and like do this so and like they were like apparently according to the interviews like everyone on set was just like so happy to be there and like Mm -hmm. so happy to be working and like doing this thing that they all love to do and it like really does like come across like like everyone is just like at a 10 Mm -hmm. yeah because I think they filmed in like October yes yeah yeah they filmed in October I think over six weeks and they Mm -hmm. filmed six days a week it sounded crazy but um yeah Yeah, because I think that that's so like if they were to do a season two and when shows are open it would be interesting to see like if the ensemble Cause if you're performing on stage, you can't like just sneak away for a few hours to film a 12 hour day <laughs> on a TV show. No. Well, of course, especially since there's like choreography that you've learned and all this stuff. I mean, it would be such, an it would be like giving up Broadway for the show. You would have right. to like do that. So I don't know. I hadn't really thought about that till you were just describing all of the Broadway credits for these people. And they weren't, wow. it wasn't like a super old ensemble. Like it was a very wow. like, like these people but are still- like, It was a pretty wide age range. Actually. Yeah, and like colorblind casting and all that. I did <laughs> another joke I liked where they were like, oh, it's with Josh Melissa when they're like trying to figure out the town. And they were like, oh, like it's got colorblind casting. And Kristen mm-hmm. Chenoweth has just been like an asshole to them. And Josh was like, I'm starting to think she doesn't like our colorblind our- casting. <laughs> god yeah that was that was hilarious um yeah let's get into jokes and okay i got a lot so we can just go back and forth all right so the first one that i have is maybe my favorite thing ever said on television which is from melissa and it says okay i don't want to tell you how to feel about this but can you feel different yes oh my god it is i think the the, my favorite thing that's ever been said on tv because it's like accurate and that's exactly how i feel yeah (laughs) oh my god yeah that whole scene was actually like honestly like probably up there for a single best scene where they're just like in the end like that one scene where they're pickles why do you pick the loudest toys play with your strings please those are quiet Uh, yeah like every like every single line in that was a joke 
mm-hmm. was so funny and like the, the when, when she when he's like upset and she's like are you upset because we have to get our, our rooms are you upset that they're only a dollar <laughs> she's like trying to figure it out and fucking Mildred is like hovering over their shoulder and it's just everything about it was so like the timing was so good they were so funny yeah that was such a I mean like it was a again it was supposed to I think give us like doubts about their relationship and all it did was make me love it I know it was it was so funny um so when they walk up the stairs um (laughs) Josh says he like apologizes sort of to her and he's like it's important that we can hate things together (laughs) (laughs) I only caught that like the third time watching the pilot but um I was like lol yes (laughs) um okay let me see what's my next one sorry my the thing I have sucks no you're fine well, we did already talk about the um, the church bell joke. Yes, <laughs> we did already talk about that one. Um, so my next one is when Josh says, how much is a bit? And Pete says 12 and a half cents. Mm-hmm. And Josh says, why is there a term for 12 and a half cents? How is that helpful? <laughs> um, big fan of that because uh-huh. that's such a musical thing. Like it's not helpful. Yeah, no, there's no point. Um, my next one is when uh, Melissa and, um, uh, Aaron, Danny Bailey, Danny Bailey are together and he starts to sing and she goes, you need a better agent. I thought you were going to say the joke about how he doesn't understand birth control. Oh, that's later. Mine are chronological. Yeah. You know me. <laughs> I know. Mine kind of are too. Um, so then my next one is, oh, did you see that the super hot guy just bought me for $2? Yeah. Make it rain, Danny Bailey. Yeah. Just how drunk she was. Loved that. So drunk. Yeah. Um, so Melissa joining the, way before that, Melissa joining the corn pudding song <laughs> was and how into it she was was so funny. And when she was like, oh, they want us to join. And he was like, no. And she was like, oh, come on. And then she just started singing and was like loving it. It was so funny. She sits back down and was like, I don't know. As soon as I decided to sing, I just knew what to say. <laughs> I guess. I guess. Um, okay, my next one is, oh, I mean, I'm now I'm into the, the pit the picnic basket do you have any before the picnic basket date um uh well I guess immediately before the picnic basket um Josh's schmigadoon outfit <laughs> go to the picnic contest or the the picnic basket auction was hysterical I was like oh my god um I love that they both got schmigadoon outfits hers of mm-hmm. course was like the nurse outfit later but um mm-hmm. That I just like gasped out loud, as did Melissa. But I was like, "This is hilarious," and he was like, "Whatever, like I'm doing this, babe." And um, I was like, "I bet you're jealous of this hat, right?" Like, <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god!" Um, and then of course, like the men's and the women's punch, punch. yeah, and the men's punch being out having alcohol in it, and she's like, "Great," <laughs> and it's just. <laughs> it the whole time in the back 
Um, and like she, when he was like, the ma'am, that's the gentleman's punch. Uh-huh. She was like, oh, good to know. <laughs> good to know. Okay. Oh, and then later when Aloysius is like, guess those labels don't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and oh, at the very, okay, this is before she gets up there and does her basket thing, which I'll let you do that part. But oh, um, no, I don't have any of that part. I just have after oh, okay. that part. When she goes to the fireman, she goes, you know, I'm a doctor too. And he goes, but you're a lady. <laughs> it felt honestly the way they disrespected her profession felt the way people should disrespect Claire's in Outlander. Like I'm like, why do less people believe that she's a doctor than Claire's like a field army surgeon? I know. Oh my god, truly. Um, and then when she, you know, decides to like go up there and <laughs> they're like where's your basket and she goes I'm the basket baby <laughs> and the men are like confused they're like well will you bake a pie and she's like no um yeah and then she says the line when Danny <laughs> buys her uh like this super hot guy just bought me for two two dollars <laughs> I also like in that uh, one she's like twenty dollars is even that much money that's a pizza <laughs> in New York pizza. she's like don't be impressed by that a medium pizza um so anything else from that scene uh no I have a scene uh my next one is from Danny and song the next morning to Melissa after they've had sex <laughs> where he says we'd have a kid or two or three two girls for you and two boys for me and she goes, shouldn't the, both the kids be for both of us? Like, shouldn't all the kids be for both of us? Yeah, and her and him, like, not understanding birth control was... So- oh, my God, it's so funny. And she's like, no, I paid a colleague. <laughs> yeah. <to put> like- <laughs> and then she eventually just left. She's like, okay, whatever. Okay, well, and then she takes the breakfast and she, like, takes a bite of it. And it's, like, plastic. She throws it away. Right, yeah, Because he yeah. makes that whole spread. Yes. Um. So the next thing that I have is... um. Josh and Betsy on their date at the Virgin Cliff or whatever the fuck they call it. Um, everything about this scene also is so funny. Uh-huh. Um, just like beginning to end. But my favorite part for sure, other than like the running gag of like him trying to figure out how old she is now that Melissa has been like, she's a teenager. And he was like, no, she's not. And then tries to figure out how old she is by saying things like, oh, you know, like all the high school kids come up here. And he was like, but that's in the past, right? Like that, you haven't been here up here for a while, right? Or when she sees a swing and she's like, oh my gosh, I remember it feels like just yesterday that like I was in junior high on this swing. And he was like, but it wasn't, right? Like, <laughs> And then, but to the absolute best joke from this entire scene is when she goes, oh, and there's the tree my daddy planted when I was born. And it like stands to the right <laughs> It is two feet tall. Like it's the smallest tree you've ever seen. It was just like physical comedy at its best. I was like, oh, or like situational comedy. I guess I was like, oh my god. That was a great. I yeah, that was great. It was, and it was just like the timing of it, like the setup. It was so perfect. Well, and especially like they. I I think my favorite thing about this show is like. If you are very well-versed in musicals, you get it. But if you're not as well-versed in musicals, they explain it to you without it being dumb. In like a very obvious, like, I think Melissa's like, haven't you seen The Sound of Music? Lisa's 16 going on 30. (laughs) And then you're like, oh yeah, okay. I got the like, I've got the musical reference now without, even if 
even, you knowing being like, well, she, cause the actress is 25, mm-hmm. but the character is 15, which is like right. the, I like that they like explained it and also like triple down on it in the song. Yes. Yeah. That's the thing. Um, like you don't I- have to be an expert to right. love the show you don't so, even have to really like musicals all that much i don't I think agree. there's not that many songs like there's what two there's songs? like two or three songs an episode but they're funny if you like parody yes. like if you like yeah. the snl music videos you would like this mm-hmm. yeah yeah when one of our friends who is like very into theater i mean it's her job yeah um <laughs> she- uh was over watching this show she- she straight up looked at me and goes, I can't believe you like this show. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> and she was like, well, like, basically, like, I get all the references and there's no way you're getting all of these. And to me, the, like, I understood where she was coming from. But to me, this show is a lot like being in a conversation with two people who are telling a story that's an inside joke and you weren't there but Mm -hmm. like the story itself is still funny enough that like you're laughing because if you didn't know that there was context it's still a funny story Mm -hmm. regardless right and so I feel like that's kind of just like how this whole show is it's like I'm not getting the inside joke but like it's still funny to me yeah I read an article that was like, this song's like the song from Oklahoma it's like I've never seen Oklahoma I have no interest in seeing Oklahoma but I liked the Schmigadoon song Truly, it's like I could recognize of the Sound of Music stuff, obviously, like the really obvious. Oh yes, yeah. (laughs) And the Trials and Tribulations is from the Music Man. I didn't even know that one. We've got trouble. Um, I caught Suddenly Seymour, but only in reflection of all of the other shows that have done Suddenly Seymour, namely the Goldbergs, Riverdale. Oh, Riverdale did Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, I think season three. Remember, they, like, go as... No, they did Rocky Horror Picture Show. They, I think that they did one of their seasons, instead of doing a musical, they just did a compilation of songs from musicals. Yeah. It was a musical episode, not a plot point where they were doing a musical, performing it within the show. It was, like, a musical episode. Yeah, I have a lot of... I don't know. I I know exactly what you're talking about. I have a lot of complaints about that episode because... That is the Rocky Horror Picture one because I remember Kevin Keller kisses Archie and he actually, uh, KJ Appa just posted that picture on Instagram mm-hmm. for his birthday. And that's the episode where like Betty, like the couples are original, the original couples are all together and like Betty and Jughead get in a fight via song and Veronica and Archie get in a fight via song. And then the end of the episode, Betty and Archie just start making out and you're like, wait, like they, everybody broke up via song? Like what? <laughs> It made me so mad. I was like, what's going on? Like everybody's wearing wigs. <laughs> that shows a mouth. Um, but but yeah, I digress. So yeah, I think that anybody could watch this and it's you're right. They do like, I think, do a good job of explaining to people who don't maybe haven't mm. seen it what like the- she even says in episode in Trials and Tribulations when Jane Krakowski shows up and she literally says out loud, Oh, I know what this is. I've seen the sound of, sound music. of music. Yeah. Which I, it's been so long since I've seen it. Like I forgot that there was even a countess in the plot of that movie uh, or musical. Um, but yeah, she was trying to help us remember. <laughs> um, 
I have like two, actually my two next quotes back to back are kind of proving what we're saying, which is when <laughs> the Betsy's dad's threatening to shoot Josh mm-hmm. and Melissa's like, that's not going to happen. We're in a musical. Nobody gets killed in musicals except Oklahoma and Carousel and South Pacific and hello, West Side Story. Yeah. And he's like, that sounds like a lot of musicals. Yeah. You know, he was, and it sounds like all of all the of musicals. musicals. Um, um, and then the- that random podcast, sorry mm-hmm. to cut you off, but according to that random podcast, interview um with the creator that was like a super hard scene to write to a point where like they josh and or um keegan michael key and um cecily were like one hour before they're supposed to start shooting it we're like this isn't working and like went off and like rewrote it i don't know if she mentioned that on the interview no she didn't yeah apparently it was was just like the interview i listened to was like 100 percent promo like it wasn't content got it got it um yeah I guess it was hard because they were like we need we need her to like we need Josh to have like go on a mission to break up with her right so he won't get shot but there still needs to be a little bit of a like threat of like maybe he will still get shot yeah so it was like that balance I I liked that scene because it was very like he's not gonna get shot but also like it does happen maybe (laughs) a lot of people die in a lot of musicals like my favorite rent (laughs) for example and miss saigon people i not do um then because my next one is i think i actually i like love cecily strong and i think i like her delivery because i've gotten Mm -hmm. so used to it on Mm because like i don't know if it's even gonna be funny when i say it but whenever he comes to her and is like you know musicals like any tips for me like what musical am i in (laughs) and she was like i'm so torn between not really want okay I'm so torn between really not wanting to help you and really wanting to show off how much I know relatable so relatable (laughs) every time I get in an argument with like a white man I'm like this is why I'm like I want to disengage but I also know I'm right (laughs) so like what's the what's my what's my turn here and the fact that later when she was like you need to give her brother an instrument and he couldn't find what a violin or like what was it that he was looking for like a trumpet yeah whatever whatever the music man yeah whatever musical instrument he couldn't find the exact same one so he gives him a kazoo and that's how the teacher falls in love with him and he was like oh my god that worked and like they also have her be like I don't know what's happening right now, but suddenly like, I'm very into you. Like they have like, right. It's like kind of like they say the quiet part out loud, mm-hmm. which I thought was really clever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, back over to you. Mothers against the future. <laughs> Name that, alone. <laughs> that sold me so quickly on knowing that even though she was the villain, I was going to love her. Oh, I think that is so fucking funny. It's hysterical. <laughs> it's so funny. Think, doesn't Cecily even say so you're against the future (laughs) 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 delivery is so good um okay mine is when doc lopez and melissa like are starting their little flirty thing and he's Mm -hmm. like you showed up standing up to me speaking your mind initially i hated it but now i've realized that you were right and i was wrong about everything and she says that's the sexiest thing any man has ever said to me i mean word even even before she said that i was like whoa It's crazy to me that like there's six episodes of the show, 22 to 30 minutes long, and each of them had like three-ish love interests. 
I know it's crazy like two and then you know uh-huh, each other yeah. each other yeah yeah they really fit a lot in um so the entire Mano Mine song um it's definitely up there for one of my favorites when the mayor's wife oh like, yeah in the parlor with all those like men wrestling naked sculptures he's a queer and, one that man of mine yeah he's a queer one that man of mine like everything about it and and especially when like I I was more sold on it the second time I watched it because the first time you're kind of like ah oh, slow song like but then when Cecily goes oh this was me in high school all of a sudden you're like <laughs> there it is (laughs) right like that is what it's like it's obvious right like even before Uh she says that but it makes it like a reflect it it makes it um self-aware right like it's so it changes it right and like we know she knows we all know because sometimes you know with shows it is hard to tell what we know and what the characters know about each other like Mm -hmm. are we omnipresent or like do they know what's going on too and well and it was so smart story-wise to have her sing that song before he came out so that like yes. she wasn't like super sad like when yeah like she makes a comment about like I wish he'd be more assertive and bad or whatever yeah like so that when she like came to support her husband in the finale it like made sense yes well because she wasn't right, like she, she, even at the end of it like after that she sings the song and Cecily says like make some comment to her about like haven't you ever wanted him to um or like, what do you know, really know about your husband? And and her response was like, I know that he is having to hide part of himself and I'm just trying to get him to like be himself. She mm-hmm. didn't really know what that meant, of course, mm-hmm. but like totally lays the groundwork, like you said, for like her being super supportive at the end because she could tell that something was wrong. She wasn't in like in the dark, like, um, Kristen Chenoweth's uh, character. Kristen Chenoweth's character. I don't know right. what her name is. Um, but. Um, yeah. And like the fact that they named him like all Anise's men's love. <laughs> all I wishes. All I wishes men's love. Uh-huh. Like w- I didn't realize that till the second time I was watching it, that his last name was men, men love. Men love. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I didn't realize it until you told me or, or pointed it out. And then I realized it was like printed everywhere. Like I couldn't believe yeah. it. <laughs> I was like oh it's literally written all over this place yeah um, in doc lopez's office um i mean i saw this on twitter i didn't like find it myself but um the the eye chart says doc lopez is very attractive don't you think that's <laughs> like that's what it spells out it's or, like, like an entire niche industry being uh like back like props. graphic designer yeah. yeah yeah like it's specific to like you can't just like start doing it like it's like being a costume designer like it's a super like niche specialty um because every single thing that you ever see on a screen it's like deliberately put there it's put there right nothing is there on accident like it's all books on a shelf right exactly all that stuff serves such a purpose right and and there's just so much of it like people I I don't even realize you know unless you're like looking for it and that's like kind of the point right it's like you're supposed to make stuff that's like seamless and especially for shows like this that are fantasy or period pieces where it's like you have to make stuff that looks correct for the time like the newspaper that they show and like all the signage and the schmigadoon sign the town signs apparently according to the uh creator there was a general store that was fully like fully designed like 
it existed in on the set. It was just like never used in a scene. Oh, I bet that scene got cut. Yeah, I, I'm assuming. Um, but yeah, apparently like fully, like they had the prop people go in and it was ready to go. Never saw the inside. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, let me see what's my next. I have three more, so not a whole lot. I only have two more. Okay, so you go next. Um, so next is the interaction between Melissa and the countess where she says, like, Melissa's like, I'm not the bad guy. And the countess uh-huh. is like, you walked in on my engagement and destroyed my future. That's called being the bad guy. And mm-hmm. Melissa then just dramatically says, well, it's never been explicitly stated, but I think you're a Nazi. And the countess says, of course, I'm a Nazi, <laughs> which is like a very funny sound of music like yes, yes, thing yes. that got me. I wanted more Jane Krakowski. That's my like biggest complaint. Not enough of the show. Not enough Jane. <laughs> Like I could have used so many more. Like when she was doing those, like the acrobat, like she was dancing in the back of yes, that car. And she was car. like, I actually had to do that. <laughs> like that was her. Right. Insanity. <laughs> like having to dance in that much space. I know. So small. Um, but um, okay. My next one is the whole, speaking of sound of music, the entire vagina song <laughs> that... Um, <laughs> <laughs> as it was happening I couldn't believe it was happening me neither and then <laughs> I I've watched it several times when my friends came over to watch the finale we watched the finale and then I was like well obviously my favorite song was the vagina song and my friend Kristen was like what are you talking about and I was like you watched the show right like you told me you watched the show and she was like no I did and I was like you don't remember the vagina song like it's pretty memorable and she was like honestly I fast forward through most of the songs and I was like okay that's a crime (laughs) do I call 911 now or I don't know what that falls under (laughs) but that's a crime um yeah so we watched I forced them to sit down and watch it again so fucking funny like everything about it and what I loved about it well other than the whole thing was like the way it was shot was so intentional um so before she starts singing um Cecily is talking to the kids right and the sailor says you know she was like Cecily says something about blah blah she uses the word vagina mm-hmm. she's like well oh because the baby she's like because the the girl is like I've got so many questions like where does the baby come from I've got a lot of theories but none of them make any sense but they yeah, all sound yeah crazy, or they all sound insane or something like that and Cecily goes well it comes out of your vagina and the <laughs> the sailor like gasped and he was like oh ma'am I don't even swear like that <laughs> and then but the, it's this part is shot so we see like it's like at an angle switching back and forth or we're seeing the wide shot right of mm-hmm. the three of them all in the same frame but when it switches when he says I don't even swear like that it then the camera switches to Cecily speaking direct to camera and says vagina is not a dirty word it's medical terminology Mm -hmm. and that is just like so intentionally shot that like that was for us that was not for him it was not for the characters in the show that was for the audience and that was like direct message like out there into the ether of like you can say vagina it's fine and then like proceeds to sing the song of course so I just and that was the most noticeable time for me that they did like 
intentional camera work like that, where it was like, this is a message for us, not a message for them. Um, I'm sure it happened a million times. Again, the show is like so far over my head, but that was what I noticed most starkly was like that moment where I was like, oh, that was such like a smart choice and like really like used that moment really well, I thought. Mm-hmm. So. It's funny. My next quote is, <laughs> their scene in the finale where she yells I got pregnant out of wedlock with a seaman and yes I heard it, I heard it. <laughs> and she was like the most self-aware yes. after it's like after she spent time with Melissa she yeah. was like of the 21st century suddenly yeah um I loved that it made me laugh so hard mm-hmm. yeah that was awesome um my last one is when it's actually in episode three when Josh has been hired to be the handyman, right? And he comes mm-hmm. in late and is trying to get the door open, failing. And I didn't re-watch this scene uh, today, so I can't remember it exactly, but at some point, it's either before they start singing or it's like in the middle of the song um, where, I think it's in the middle of the song where, Josh goes, he shouts, he's like, it's just a door. And Carson goes, is it? (laughs) Can we we also take a minute to acknowledge the fact that out of all of the 21st century, like all of the present day references, Josh explained the movie Air Bud to Carson. Which is arguably like a 90s reference. <laughs> it's like the most random movie. So <laughs> random. I could, I was floored when that was his reference point for this kid. And then when he brought it you up again in the finale. Like Air Bud. Air Bud. <laughs> not the first movie that comes to mind. <laughs> oh, it made me laugh so hard. And then my last one is from Kristen Chenoweth's song. I wish her last name. It's I can't think of what her name is in the show. Late Lawson? Mildred, Mildred Layton, um, when she just is freaking out at the end when she's being like a terrible person and everybody's like coming out and doing their things and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, she's yeah. losing control over the town mm-hmm. and she just screams, you toilet people. Yeah. <laughs> yes. For a long time, I would say suck a dick because of Vanderpump rules. Uh-huh. And I think I've now moved on to you toilet people. Your toilet people. <laughs> so oh. Um. Amazing. Do you have any other things that you've, I mean, either pr- prepared or thought of as we were going? I would have been really upset if I would have forgotten um, Airbud until know, I'm laying right? in bed tonight. Um, no, I, you know, I, I watched the first. I watched. The, I've seen the first three episodes three times now. <laughs> um, because uh, I watched, I watched the first three initially, and then I watched the first four when four came out um the next week and then you know I just watched five and six the weeks they came out um and today I went back and I tried to watch them all again but my afternoon got away from me Mm -hmm. um so most of my notes are from those first couple episodes unless something like really had jumped out at me um I I wasn't taking notes when I was watching the the first the last ones in real time 
yeah there's only six I mean there's only six but so it's like kind of hard anyway to be like this feels right. like less than normal because it is a very funny show but it's not like six creek shits creek right. six seasons or whatever well but, and like the entire back half of the sixth episode is one scene so yeah yeah that's true um Okay, so now let's go into heartbreak. Did you have a heartbreak scene in this? You know, I I decided that for me, just like the saddest scene uh, for me was that scene that we've already mentioned, actually, where um, it's like a flashback. It starts off the episode um, where she's in the wedding in Nebraska. Her destination, oh, yeah. Her friend's destination wedding in Nebraska, um, where she's a bridesmaid. Which- that itself is painful a destination wedding in Nebraska. that itself was that was a joke like yeah. that in yeah. itself was a joke um uh and you know they are like okay like well first of all Cecily not knowing like to dance funny but like whatever um but when she wanted Josh all the other bridesmaids partners came up to dance and Josh like refused mm-hmm. like because that, that's the kind of thing that would really piss me off as a person mm-hmm. like I took that really personally where like I was like oh yeah like not that I didn't identify with Cecily most of the time obviously she's like surface level super relatable all the time like her delivery everything is amazing but like as an actual character like I have very little in common right like I'm not a doctor like all this stuff but in that moment I was like oh like I probably would have broken up with him over that if it's like we're this deep in and you're still because it's just such like a window into their life right it's like him just like not willing to meet her in the middle ever yeah um is really what that's about right and it's like can you not like you're in a fucking random wedding in Nebraska you don't know anybody there you're her plus one like who gives a shit and like all the other partners are up there too it's not like they're just gonna be looking at you just like the whole thing about it and how Cecily was just like so sad and then had to be up there by herself and um it really it, it just speaks to like the moment in the finale of his song where he was like we were together, but you were alone a lot. Mm-hmm. And that just like really like foreshadowed that. And I'm glad, you know, that they did write that into his final song. Um, but yeah, that was, that was what I decided when I realized we had this category and I was like, okay, I think that was what made me the most sad because it's a joyful show in general. Yeah. I have a heartbreak ish and then like a heart burst, okay. um, which the heartbreak is like Betsy realizing that her dad doesn't really like value her. Like when he comes in with the shotgun, like her face being like, wait, like I can, I don't know. Like Betsy's storyline to me was just kind of sad. Yeah. Like she didn't really have, like her dad just wanted her married off. Like she didn't really have like a thing. And then my heart burst was Josh finally singing to Melissa and like putting some effort into their relationship. And I was wondering, I was like, there's no way he's going to go through the whole season without singing. But then when he didn't sing for Emma Mm -hmm. in the earlier and they were like at the bridge, I was like, shit. It like caught me. Yeah. It caught me really off guard that I actually wanted Melissa and Josh back together. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I was like, oh wait, I would be happy if they end up together. Yeah. I was kind of wondering that the whole time of like, how How are they going to, I had a hard time figuring out how they would get out otherwise like they weren't gonna say right so yeah I thought they did a good job of they didn't introduce any new outside people Mm -hmm. I thought they did a good job of like making them both work on themselves Mm -hmm. in ways that were really subtle 
to yeah. then make their relationship work. Like he realized that he like needed to like put effort in things and like mm-hmm. show up and like do all Same. that stuff. And mm-hmm. she realized she needed to like, like have like not have a voice, but like know when to use it and like when to like not be so controlling almost. I feel like that was her yeah. little mesh. I'm trying to think of what she said in the when she like thing, said I loved- I just rewatched. I did rewatch the finale tonight. Um yeah, her whole apology was like I'm sorry for like treating you like dead weight on my way to this fantasy that was like not real. Mm-hmm. So Mm -hmm, it was mm -hmm. her like putting all these unrealistic expectations onto their relationship, I think. And not, and she also says like, and I expected you to change so much without thinking that maybe I needed to change too. Yes. So that they let them do both of the things they needed to to work with other people. I thought was really smart. Yeah. And I didn't realize the rock in her backpack, which I predicted 100%. But like, as soon as you said it, have you checked your backpack? I was like, oh, it's definitely in her bag. Like for sure, it's in her bag. Like <laughs> I did like that. Like it's a metaphor, and he's like, "No, it's a rock." Okay, like, <laughs> so that also killed me. Um, so funny. Um, but and really, you know, like spoke that scene was more about him refusing to engage, right? Like, mm-hmm. um. But anyway, as soon as he said that thing about the rock in her backpack, I was like, "Oh, that's gonna come back later." She definitely has both rocks. Um. I still don't really understand how his rock got stuck in the middle of the woods, but whatever. Um. She threw it. Oh, are we supposed to think it's the same wood? Uh-huh. I think we're supposed to think it's like interesting. The, the rock found them when they needed it. Got it. Type yeah. of a thing, like a magical realism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so moving on to turning point, which like I kind of already said at the beginning was like just their banter. Uh-huh. was my turning point scene. And also just like the synopsis was my turning point. Like I knew I was going to like it. I never had a doubt. Mm-hmm. What was your turning point? Honestly, I was in from the minute that like the the opening of the show when Cecily was delivering that baby mm-hmm. and she was like, come on, you can do it. I just need one more push. Brian or like whatever the fuck the husband's name is of the like mother giving birth, the partner who's there. She was like, Brian, tell her you can do it or tell her she can do it. And he like looks at the mother to be <laughs> and looks at Cecily and Cecily goes, Brian says you can do it. (laughs) (laughs) Just totally like, because it was like, number one showed the humor, right? Of the show, which is like super dry, super like. It's um, super SNL, but like. Super SNL, also super like realistic, right? Like Uh it's so like, this isn't like a writer who's writing what they think a joke would be in this scenario right it's like they're using more realistic dialogue I don't know how what to call that but whatever um her delivery iconic and um like uh like male negligence basically (laughs) right like the dad was absolutely the one at fault in this situation like he was fucking useless Mm -hmm. and his wife is literally pushing a baby out of her so I was just like okay great like if this is what this is I'm on board Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. loved it loved it okay should we take oh no we've got some b we got some b plots yeah we Um, can like run through these real quick because I don't have a whole lot because the whole show I really I only have four yeah I have a little bit more but so the rapscallion of Danny Bailey and him not understanding birth control for like half half an episode yeah that was like their little romance loved Mm -hmm. um I loved the b-plot of 
Dove Cameron, um, i.e. Betsy, and just like everything about her, like from thinking that like she was engaged, the bows, the basket, like calling herself Mrs. Like Mrs. Dr. Skinner, um, <laughs> everyone, nobody knowing how old she was, just like everything about her character, I w- really enjoyed. Yeah, I really enjoyed the Skinner Bridge, just how quickly he tried to get out and that one of the women yeah. said, I didn't know about this until 10 seconds ago, but now it's my only dream. (laughs) I also like that he, they made him realistically try to get out so early. So then when he, it like kind of made it. So then the rest of the season, he could just like be in the town. Right. Yeah. And like actually try to fall in love with Emma. That didn't work. Right. Become a good person. Um, Okay. Um, The mayoral race. I just enjoyed that. (laughs) But that was the backdrop, right? Because that was like what, like the runner of the show was the the mayoral race. We find out about it at the beginning and it's at the end. It was such like a bookend thing. Mm -hmm. Um, The mayor and the, I want to say pastor, but is it pastor? Mm -hmm. Uh, Romantic relationship. Loved it. Yeah. I loved their little, the, um, the fact that like we knew and they knew and everybody knew, but nobody knew. Yes. Yeah. The whole pie scene. Yes. That bit. Yeah. And like, it was just kind of throughout, like every time the mayor's wife would say something, you knew it was like attacking him too. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Um, and okay. My, for me worst, I didn't love the love tunnel, like the carnival stuff. I could have done without I know that's like a really hot take people loved all that stuff but I just it those sets felt that set felt so empty yeah and Cecily isn't a dancer no I thought that too I just felt like even Aaron Trevay would like is a great performer but like could have used some backup dancers you know like that would have been a really nice whatever I it just those those scenes to me felt so like there was too much space Mm -hmm, I don't know mm -hmm. how to explain it but like the plot of her picking up with the rapscallion loved but like the actual execution for me I and I don't know if like I would have liked it better if there was more like more context more like you know but since his plots got cut for time you know yeah um I hadn't really thought about it. I liked the song. That's all I was really thinking about. I think Aaron Tibet has like a beautiful voice. So like, I wasn't really paying attention to the yeah, like scenery of that. Yeah. I think I was also like very confused that it was all happening in episode one. <sighs> so or like much. my episode, it might've been in episode two, but I think it was in uh, one because he slept through their little date. Twice. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Um, Doc Lopez, my last one inside and then I have one like director or cinematography comment but Doc Lopez as a character I thought was so fucking funny and especially mm-hmm. his parents like when yes. she the mom like pushes Blue. Melissa to acknowledge that she doesn't love Doc and mm-hmm. <laughs> um and she's like don't worry you're handsome like you're fine yeah we're just like real life like being like Accurate. okay yeah yeah like calm down you'll find someone else you're hot yeah. um and then like the fact that she like killed him through sex I thought yes. it was so funny god and it was like direct like right she told them to like yeah i'm gonna have he's gonna be living his like most like whatever best life whatever at a funeral (laughs) um do you have one more or are you done okay so just one thing i wanted to note in terms of like 
I was like, holy shit, this show could be nominated for an Emmy was the dancing scene with Emma and Josh and Melissa and Doc Lopez where, well, I read an article about this. I didn't notice it, but both like Doc Lopez is singing and Mm -hmm. Emma's singing about how they're like true love and they like dance and like split screen Mm -hmm. kind of like a zoom. And then like switch through the back of it I just thought was like a very well shot scene Mm -hmm. it was just like really cool and kind of felt a little bit out of nowhere for them to use special effects in the cinematography yeah it was a more complicated Mm -hmm. I just really enjoyed it yeah it was it was (laughs) I always feel like anytime I try to speak even remotely technically on the podcast it ends up being like I just thought it was cool like I just thought the like switch in of the cameras was really fun and cool but Okay, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with stats and single best scene. Hello, hello. Surprise, it's us again. This is just a quick reminder for you guys to make sure you are subscribed to the pod on iTunes or on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us um, with our audience and it really helps you make sure you don't miss an episode as these do drop on Tuesdays weekly. Second thing is actual exciting news. We are doing a little giveaway of sorts. If you go and give us a review on iTunes, then screenshot the review and email it to us at singlebestscene at gmail.com, we will send you a very special single best scene sticker so get those reviews in and we will get you a sticker and that's it thanks and we're back all righty okay so if you want to go through so for this time i know you and i've talked about it but stats will be Favorite character, favorite relationship. We've added favorite musical number and then favorite episode. All right, so you want to go first? Sure, I'll go first. So my favorite character is a tie between Mildred and Melissa. Um, (laughs) Every time the camera was on Mildred, I was like, yes, like give me more, like (laughs) give her more lines. And she already had a lot, but like, her Kristen Chenoweth is just like such an amazing actress and to be able to see her up close and like she just again likes all the other amazing performers on the show it's like her timing is so good and the way she changes her voice pitch (laughs) like she will like scream in an octave that could break glass like on a dime right yeah yeah like, um, I just think you need to shut the door <laughs> right like she'll just like wolf up there and it's just like oh my god or it'll I be like a climbing sentence where like she just gets like higher and higher and higher and higher and higher she's like okay for the character right yeah it's like she really is like a witch basically and um just so like is to me was the far and away the most like cartoony character right like her character really is like this like caricature of you know the evil church lady right but like and so I don't know if if that's necessarily her fault or like her choice or the writer's choice or whatever but like it really like she really committed to being 
this right and Mm -hmm. and it it did the character was extreme like in her beliefs and stuff and so it does make sense to like play her in an extreme way Mm -hmm. um but she just like every time I was like everyone else in the scene I thought they were at a 10 but no everyone else is at an eight she's at a 20 yeah (laughs) yeah I also like that they like even gave her dark hair yeah (laughs) like she just like she looked at Kristen Chenoweth but like also didn't look like Kristen Chenoweth you know what I mean like it was like enough like the lipstick yeah Yeah. I loved yeah she was always great when she was on screen yeah yeah just absolutely nailing it every time um my favorite relationship actually I really liked Josh and Emma's like when they were going off to be together I was like I don't think this is gonna like obviously like I what they're leaving now um but I was like honestly I'm for it like I was always for their relationship I really like theirs to me was the most fun to watch it was most realistic like it could actually work I also liked the way he described New York where he was like tons of people done stuff lots of what did he say like lots of farms something super random yeah lots of pharmacies or like drugstores I don't know I think he said drugstores. I I can't remember yeah um well I wonder what your favorite music was asking like wait was that the boy's name um no it was something else with a c I said it earlier because I was I could not remember it. Oh, I read it out loud. Um, let me look it up. Shit. Actually, I don't think he's even listed here with these. Clarence? Books. No. Connor? Con? Uh, it starts with a C for sure. Yeah. Carson. Carson, right? <laughs> also, we didn't talk about this earlier, but Pete the Milkman was so funny. <laughs> yeah. Just repeatedly getting hurt, and same with um. Mildred like just roasting the shit out of the innkeeper like all the people at the end being like I think I'm a socialist like I hate I like getting hurt for the attention like I love that part oh my god yeah right so you liked their yeah I really liked uh Josh and Emma's relationship I thought that was the most fun to watch for me Mm -hmm. and then my favorite wait what else sorry what was the other categories it was your favorite musical number which I have a feeling the audience could guess yeah, mine was the vagina song. <laughs> and then your favorite episode. I wrote two because that's what I texted you about, but the lover um, spat. Yeah. It, I liked that musical number, how they were engaging with it. Like they kept waiting for them to like they fought within the song, but not as a part of the musical. Yeah, I preferred that. What episode did they do the basket? I think that's two. Is that two? Yeah yeah okay yeah okay great confirmed two is my favorite um, lover spat oh my okay. god culture only gave it three out of five stars wow they're wrong well let it, listen to our episode instead of reading vulture okay so my favorite character was melissa i loved her so much um my favorite relationship was mildred and any of the townspeople like her little minions that followed her around mm-hmm. i loved i loved the way she treated the innkeeper i thought that was so funny all of it was top notch for me and like there was like an interaction with her husband with reverend when she was like I don't trust these people like I don't like him one bit and he's like I don't know and she's like I know that's why I'm telling you yeah (laughs) yes um okay so I have my favorite musical is a tie it's either the vagina song or with all your heart but with all your heart is mainly because I just think Emma it has the most like talented voice Mm -hmm. and I liked the little school kids like doing that was really cute yeah that was a really cute number and then the one that's got stuck in my head the most since we've started watching Schmigadoon is cross that bridge 
Cross okay, that's that Kristen's head. Yeah. Like it gets stuck in my head all the time. <laughs> it's not my favorite song either, but it does get stuck in my head. And my favorite episode was episode four, which was suddenly, which is like the introdu- introduction of Doc Lopez mm-hmm. and the kind of introduction of Emma, the school mm-hmm. mom. But all right. So if we've made it to the part that all of our listeners listen for, I'm assuming, and not recommendations, that'll come later. Our single best scene for Schmigadoon. Yes. What is your single best scene of the show? So Schmigadoon. This does feel like cheating, but my always scene <laughs> is it is technically one scene, but it is probably to no one's surprise who's seen the show. The back half of six, which is the finale. So we get it's the mayoral race. They're gonna do a vote with a show of hands. <laughs> And then Melissa comes busting in looking for Josh. Josh then interrupts looking for Melissa. Melissa has her like beautiful apology. Josh sings to her, which is Mm -hmm. so sweet. And then the whole town has their truth, (laughs) truth spree. (laughs) Um, And we find out that Mildred is actually the mom of the new mother. And... That was a nice little twist. Yeah, that was an interesting twist for sure. I reacted um, the same way Josh and Melissa did where I was like, mother, right? Okay. Um, exactly. And then the town has their like beautiful final song, which was just like such a great number. And yeah. Yeah, it was, it was great. What was your single best scene? <laughs> My single best scene is from episode two, Betsy and Josh's picnic. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it so much. <laughs> like him trying to figure out how old she is through the whole thing. I know we already talked about it earlier. Um, it's like a light musical number, and the, like her, the like way she was singing, the like I'm gonna wait till I'm a bride. Yeah, maybe laugh, and then like all of the like sexual innuendos with the fruits <laughs> and like the meat, the giant sausage, and, like, the cake. <laughs> all of it was funny. I listened to mixed signals. <laughs> <laughs> and like when she's like look there's a swing I used to swing on the summer I turned 14 seems like just it was only yesterday and Josh going but it wasn't right (laughs) it made me laugh so hard I watched like a breakdown of the scene with um Dove Cameron and the director Cisco Paul I think is his name and they were talking about how like she like the lyrics themselves can't she is the 1940s aspect but like what she's doing like the Mm -hmm. fruits and stuff can be a little bit more like present day like he can think it's an innuendo but if you just listen to the song right it's not like as overtly sexual because he was like every single song I wrote for the show had to have existed in the time that I wrote this like in the 1940s or 1910s or whatever Mm -hmm. um which I thought was interesting and Dove Cameron said that like Betsy's whole like aura and everything about her was like the literal definition of like she was written by a man. So she was mm-hmm. an idea and not an actual person. Right. Which I thought was like accurate and interesting. Yeah. And like I hadn't thought about, but like when she said it, I was like, oh, that is what written by a man is. Like some right. undescript age with like some right. und- like she's a virgin, but like we'll do things for just you. And like, <laughs> you know, like the whole like I'll just marry you and brag about you and all that stuff. Right. Um, yeah. After I heard that interview, I started thinking back. I could have done more Betsy. I liked her. Um, oh. but yeah, I, I thought that was interesting. And yeah, my favorite um, scene, like I thought it was so fucking funny. Yeah, yeah, it was amazing. 
I was either going to, yeah, yeah, that was it. So if you have, oh, and then I guess we'll do just a little bit of news from that article I sent you. So you already know this, but Cinco Paul said, my concept for the show has always involved more than one season, but that's all I can say for now. He offered up the same sentiment in a previous interview in which he maintained that season one has a beginning, a middle, and an end, but it could continue. There is more. The ball is now in Apple TV's court. So look, if there's a season two, I'll watch it. Like mm-hmm. I like it's like if the writers come back, but I don't think they'll ever capture the magic that they could during a pandemic right. with these people all being available when they were available and all wanting to be there. Like, I just don't think I agree. I just don't also like it being like a musical theater show. Right. So like every single person who was on it, like it wasn't like the Riverdale cast going back to work or like the Grays cast going back to work. Like they tried out for this show and auditioned for the show, knowing it was going to be a pandemic show. Right. And so I don't feel like there was any like, um, like resentment to have to work. Like they all like wanted to be there. I will mm-hmm. say one last thing for our listener who maybe will like rewatch it based on our conversation today or whatever. Cecily said in that interview that the choreographer told her that since it was a musical that every time she gets dipped, she needs to look directly into camera. So keep an eye out for that, that like anytime she gets dipped, she like looks, she like finds <laughs> the camera wherever it is. It's very funny. Um, that was like the one thing that I got from before watching the show that I looked out for. Oh I think it only happens like twice. Yeah. That she's in a dance number where she gets dipped. Although apparently they did sing all of the music live. I did. They said that in the dub, yeah, like the, from the really picnic. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So if, what is your recommendation for the people? Okay. So my recommendation this week is my Converse that I bought about a month ago. I feel like I've worn them enough to give them a um, <laughs> sufficient recommendation. So they are the platform Chuck Taylor high tops. They come in white and black and like an off-white and I would have ordered the off-white ones but I needed to be able to pick them up in person and Nordstrom's only carried the white ones in store so that's the ones I got but I'm obsessed they're so comfortable like there's some kind of gel memory foam thing in the footbed and um I just think that they look I'm not a high tops person like I always have thought that they made me have cankles and it's just like not my vibe converse really um but I really really like these and I think that because they're a platform they're like a different shape than the normal like converse um mm-hmm. it's like less skateboardery <laughs> yeah. um if that makes sense um but yeah I find myself wearing them like every weekend and they're just we're like really solid shoes I can wear them all day running around the city no problem and yeah, 10 out of 10 would recommend. And Madewell makes really cute high top height socks. Um, I just bought some more pairs today in fact. So look at Double that. <laughs> what, is um, what a random, but good. You always, so I run the, for our listeners that don't know, I run the social. So I have to find like the recommendations and post those and the amount of times that I'll text Sophie and be like, is this the ice cream that you were talking about from Trader mm-hmm. Joe's? Or like, I just listened to the podcast. And you said coffee. Is it this one? <laughs> or like, is this the random Zillow account? So the Converse, the platform track Taylor high tops and off white, mm-hmm. white and black are going to be fun for me to search for and 
they're when this easy episode airs. To find. They're easy to find. <laughs> it's Everyone just like always them. random. Yeah, no, it's well, I don't read and I don't watch shows <laughs> that aren't the shows we are watching covering for the show, really. I know. So it's like so rare that I am watching a show that we're never gonna cover. Um, well then it's like we'll save that for a pitch. Right, exactly. Like I'll just pitch it or whatever. So and I don't watch movies, so I that really doesn't leave much. <laughs> Look at you, you're our pop culture expert. I have such little culture to offer. <laughs> it's okay. I feel like I've got quite a bit. Yeah, you've got enough for both of us. <laughs> um, so my recommendation this week is the Bleachers album. Uh, take the, or I think it's called Take the Sadness Out of Saturday Night. Um, it's very good. I would say my favorite song so far um, would be Chinatown, How Dare You Want More, Secret Life, which I've randomly listened to a lot, which is featuring Lana Del Rey not someone that I typically listen to stop making this hurt and 45. Those are probably the ones that I've been listening to the most. All of them are good. If you haven't listened to bleachers, I recommend it. It's Jack Antonoff's band. So yeah, that is my recommendation for the people. Um, one thing I did want to say on the Instagram. So we were doing questions of the week now, as you've been able to tell, where we are going to talk about a random thing at the beginning of the episode. If you have any questions that you want us to talk about or have thought about or whatever, let us know. DM, email, any of the things. Yeah. Then we'll ask it. I bet we get one, but I would like to get the one. So. I mean, yeah, let's, 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 send, let's them. Yeah. send them in people. Send in the peeps and we'll talk about some random non-show related question that you want mm-hmm. asked about a TV show that you're watching. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. Well, we will see you guys in two weeks for our That's next right. episode. Next week, get ready for hacks. Right. Yes. Which I <laughs> fucking love. So if you're listening to this episode and you haven't watched Hacks yet, get on your HBO Max app, pray it doesn't crash, and binge <laughs> Hacks. Fucking funniest show ever. I can't wait to rewatch it for the podcast. <laughs> okay. Thanks, you guys. We will we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.